Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... It's so much more than just a profile picture. At Catholic Singles, our platform offers you many opportunities to get to know the person behind the picture. Sign up today at catholicsingles.com. Welcome to Liturgy Live for the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is Alana Berg, and with me, as always, is Father Ian Van Heusen. How are you doing, Father? Doing well, Alana. Good to see everyone. Um, you know, it's good to be here. Um, actually, I need to check my microphone real quick. Ah, you yes. I'm using yeah. the right microphone. Okay. So um, what I want to get into is Alana is sharing and passing around the information is it's interesting, this week we hear this image, it's a classic one, I meditate on a lot, is this idea that Jesus looks at the Temple of Jerusalem and he says, not one stone will be left upon another stone. And a fascinating dynamic in my own life is, there's a classic saying in literature that you can never go home. And I don't think that's completely true, but one of the, the realizations as I've gotten older is letting go of places, and like kind of moving on with your life. And, you know, this Thanksgiving is going to be an interesting transition. It'll be probably the last Thanksgiving that my grandmother is in her current home. Then it'll be taken over by my aunt. And just feeling that sense of nostalgia. It was probably the only place from my childhood that's still a regular part of my life. But there's a part now where I've got to, like, move on and let go. Now, when we think of it in a deeper sense, I mean, that's kind of in the ultimate sense. What are our attachments to this world? Because... The reality, as so many people have said, that when we die, we don't take any of this with us. The only thing that will endure is faith, hope, and love in our relationships. You know, and are you so attached to things, comforts? And you can often see this sometimes with folks as they approach retirement, where they become attached to a family home, or they become attached to things and memories. They're trying to, like, hold on to the past. That's precisely the point that we got to work against, where we hear the Carthusians say, if you die before you die, then you will not die when you die. You have to die to self. You have to continuously let go and live in that poverty of spirit. And that's at the essence of what the poverty that the religious live out is that they are willing to have freedom around created things, that they're willing to let go of their comforts or let go of their property for the sake of mission. Amen. Amen. Sounds good. It's yeah. something we all struggle with, right? It's holding yeah. on to the things of this world. Absolutely. So, are you ready to just jump in? Yeah, let's jump in. Okay. So, I'm sure we'll have plenty to say this week. So, I want to make sure we get all of the readings in. I'm going to have to reel you in this week. Yeah. Right. I'm feeling the first ones will be pretty quickly. It's Yeah, it's, a, it's short. So, from the prophet Malachi. Lo, the day is coming, blazing like an oven, when all the proud and all evildoers will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire leaving them neither root nor branch, says the Lord of hosts. But for you who fear my name, there will arise the son of justice with its healing rays. So this is at the almost the very end of the three chapters. This is a very short uh, minor prophet. And um, it's at the time around the time of Nehemiah coming back to the temple after the Babylonian exile. And yeah. in, in his exhortation throughout his, these, these chapters of Malachi, he talks about priests 
who are not giving worthy sacrifices. They're, they're sacrificing lame animals and stuff like that and, and not teaching the people the right ways. They're, they're really teaching, uh, basically the, the false, um, compassion on people instead of teaching them the right ways of the, of the Lord. So it really is a really interesting thing to go back and read in our time because sometimes it's like, wow, we could really use a prophet Malachi right now <laughs> so. of how, of how it really lines up and how the Lord is saying, okay, you mm-hmm. better hold on to what I've taught you. And, and he literally at the, even after this says, I gave Moses the precepts and the day is coming. So hold on to the, hold on to the law that was given. So, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's good stuff. Well, so, uh, well, do you have a thought before I jump in? You can go ahead. You can go ahead. I would love to try. I would love to try to run an experiment, right? So right now the conventional wisdom is that it's the conventional wisdom after post Vatican II is that if somebody is sad or if somebody's depressed or if somebody's suffering despair or they're, there's a lot of tragedy in their life. Now, maybe caveat a little bit depending on circumstance, but especially with like the mental illness, the depression, the trauma, that meditating on this, the final judgment, um, and meditating on particular and final judgment is re-traumatizing the person, right? This is kind of conventional. But I wonder if there's actually a way of doing it where it's like it's actually helpful like, I, I don't know. So, like, one of the views right now is, like, well, you have to, like, I, I would be curious because, you know, going back to that whole thing, like, do people flesh things out? Like, like if somebody said to me, like, like, um, um, like, fleshing out that sense of an angry God. Like, so, for example, if somebody, like, I'm trying to imagine, like, a counseling session and a, and a, a conversation where somebody comes in, they say, well, I feel like God hates me. And he's angry with me because I'm a terrible person. And instead of saying like, well, no, God is love. He's tenderness and mercy. Like what if you said, well, well, let's, let's walk through that a little bit. Let's like use our imagination. Like, why is he mad at you? Like, is he mad at you? Like, or kind of fleshing that out a little bit and, and trying to connect to that. Cause that's what the, the, there's a, there's a theory with the uh, St. Ignatius's exercises that the, 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 a lot of folks hold after Vatican II, that you can't jump into the first week exercises because people have a, a, a distorted notion of God the Father. So you have to heal their relationship with God the Father before you can do the first week exercises, which of course is kind of saying that St. Ignatius got it wrong. But maybe, see, but here's the thing is, is I always say there's a consolation, there's a desolation, because you're discerning consolation from desolation. So there's a way of understanding this first reading and God's judgment that's a consolation, and then there's the enemy working and trying to discern from the two. Right, and sometimes you can only really heal that father wound with discernment. Yeah. So, so having jumping into discernment of spirits would really you would really have to wrestle with like what is the father wound that I'm dealing with, or what is what am I just making up? You know what I mean? What am I just thinking is real is not real? And, um, so I think it's, that's interesting. I mean, I do think there's such a thing as father wound, you know, that that we don't understand even from maybe our own earthly fathers that we misunderstand who God is. Um, but I think we can still understand things and, and try to understand God's will 
even if we don't understand God perfectly. Because that's, I mean, we're not, we're never going to understand God perfectly, even if we're wounded. Yeah. But, but trying to discern his will is like really gets us on a good path to healing. Yeah. Healing the, the father wound. And well, you know, it's fascinating from a spiritual director standpoint, it's a lot easier to identify areas of woundedness when somebody's meditating on hell because it becomes a lot obvious, but when you're meditating on God's love, it can be a little bit trickier, especially early on. Right. Right. Well, Um, and, and if you're only looking at the mercy of God isolated and not in, in terms of just like opposite from his justice, like we have to hold both. So, so if we're, if people are just looking at it through mercy and like, it's, it's, you know, it's something that we don't, we haven't looked at probably correctly or at least mm-hmm. the most clearly in the last few years, cause it's been very murky. Um, but how we really need to hold justice and mercy and why do we need mercy? Because God's justice, right? Because, well, because well, the, the we deserve thing. the th- the things that we've, you know, the, the things that are, you know, the punishments for what we actually have done, right? We deserve them. But if God is, God is also merciful. So he, we can cry out for his mercy. Yeah. Which is precisely the meditation on last things is always tied to an experience of mercy. Like, so you're imagining God, like if you're imagining in this exercise, like a blazing oven, the proud and the evildoers will be stubble. So there's fire, there's brimstone, like he's destroying like all evil. And you're like, and you feel like I'm evil, but then what is always the message? But if you turn to me, I'm merciful and I'm loving. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, all I have to do is turn to God. Right. And it doesn't matter what I'm feeling. It doesn't matter how chaos, how ugly, how and, distor- and that's what part of the part outside of the actual readings it was talking about. It's like, but those who fear in my name will be saved. Yeah. And so, so it's really important to, to know that there is hope, you know, and, and to the whole paradox of all of these end times is that all of this destruction and everything and the Lord is saying, you don't need to fear this. It's not the end be, for you. Right. Exactly. There you just have to like after. say you're sorry. You just have to say you're sorry. Yeah. And like turn. That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> You know, well, recognizing what you've done, what you have done wrong is hard. And then admitting it to somebody else is hard. So it's like, let's not trivialize the work that it takes to really root out sin. I mean, because we do, like like you said, we we talk a lot of theoretically about these things. But in human, in our human lives, in humanity, it's hard to be a saint. It's hard to be who we're called to be. It's hard to know. All of these things. So, it, it seems what's very interesting is this basic progression, this basic biblical wisdom, is so controversial and so called into question these days, even by some people in power. Like, there's a law, there's rules. You break the rules. We all break the rules. We deserve punishment because when we break the rules, and the punishment's really bad because the rules are really important. But if you say you're sorry and seek forgiveness, you're forgiven. 
And the more you do that process, the more patient you become with other people because you yourself have experienced forgiveness and mercy. Right. Yeah. But it, but it's a, a long process. Yeah. And, and like you have to be patient with yourself. Right now is like, is like the most radical concept. Like it makes you alt-right. It makes you <laughs> tratty. It makes you like, yeah. So, but, but it's important to hold them together. So we can't just be all mercy and we can't just be all justice. It has to be justice and mercy together, recognizing who we are called to be and at the same time, how broken we are and that we have freedom. And you can't really untwine the, our brokenness and our freedom and, and which, which part of that you know, or the one is the one that makes mistakes. It's all of us, you know, our whole being makes the mistake <laughs> and our whole being needs to come to be untwisted, right. By the grace of God and how we need to rely on God's grace. But if we only, but if we don't know, to, like if we're not constantly reminded, rely on God's grace, just come to, to sacraments, rely, 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 remember, 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 we will forget and we will try to rely on our own power on our own insufficient energy <laughs> you know exactly. and we won't make it very far and then we sin again exactly. and that's it's the other thing process. like self-reliance it's like self-reliance too like so rely on god that's a part of the message right and you can't fulfill the law on your own you need me you need god's right. grace and no i know it's like it's so simple and yet it took two thousand years to to kind of unpack and it yeah. still takes like thousands of years and hours and hours of reflection in our own life. Yeah. Um, and then after each generation, it needs to be done again. Exactly. But and fascinating, this whole dynamic, exhausting. but this whole dynamic at the same time is simple, uh, profoundly simple. And yet when you admit it, it's controversial right now. It, like, it's very controversial. And I think there's different levels of how it's controversial because a lot of people right now want to have their pitchforks and go on, go in their own energy and make things happen instead of running to adoration and saying, okay, Lord, this is you. If I am to be part of it, like part of some sort of resistance or some sort of something, then, then you tell me and then in prayer, you know, discuss it, you know, because, yeah. If there does need to be changed, then God needs to lead that change. We can't just, you know, outside of prayer and all of that, you know, really affect good change, fruitful change. Well, uh, you know what? I'm actually, what I would say about reforming the church right now, um, and we should move on to the next reading because I think we'll have lots more to say, is um, I think the problem, what I've started to realize through our conversations and through preaching is you have to identify the fundamental errors and have a good sense of what they are. Not like attaching some kind of weird label, not super like trying to like identify the core concepts. And cause um, right now people get engaged in a lot of what, uh, what you'd call, they call polemics. And I've, I've been surprised cause so there's a way of teaching and preaching and engaging oneself that you're not fighting an enemy, but you're holding up the truth and the error always helps bring truth into greater clarity. I mean, like the, the, that, just that whole progression, you know, there's a law, you violate the law, there's justice and then mercy is forgiveness. I mean, 
it actually took me a long time to work that out personally, because I actually believe it or not, I feel like one of the hallmarks of our age is there's a lot of like obfuscating, a lot of, a lot of like quote unquote nuance, but it's kind of more like vagueness. And it's like, I think the, the greatest antidote right now in the midst of so much chaos and vagueness is simplicity, clarity, consistency with love, faith, hope, and love, and trust. foundation, trust. Um, and if you can just do that on a consistent basis. Yeah. Um, but you'll be surprised. So like, you know, I think what you're alluding to is the fact that like, I think we could be more open about it because I think our audience trusts us enough. And we're at a point where we might as well just be honest with what we think is there's a lot of things we like to see go differently. Um, we, we, we want, would like to see more orthodox teaching. But what I've seen among folks that I agree with is they're not growing spiritually. Like I would say, I would challenge everybody listening. If like you're in agreement with us, like we don't like how things are going. We didn't like the Amazon Senate scandalized by it. But here's the difference that I'm finding is that in the midst of all this, I'm growing. Like none of this is preventing me from growing. Like, you know, and this is, this is, we're growing, right? We're, we're deepening our understanding of scripture. We're deepening our understanding of doctrine because the more it's challenged, the more chaos there is, we're digging deeper and trying to understand, well, what is it we actually believe? And not just like in the sense of like, can I quote the catechism? But like, you know, does that make sense? Yes. And I also came to the conclusion also that this is a time of great testing. It's testing our faith and our be our ability to be able to grow in spite of whatever happens in a place that we can't control in to people who might be, you know, in great power. Okay. I can't control that. I can control myself. And I know that I am called to trust in God and I'm called to believe the scriptures is true. And, and that's the question. Is it true or not? Right. Will the gates of hell prevail or will they not? You know what I mean? Like we we need, right. We know at the, in the end that Christ wins. So we need to be faithful. And if there is scandal going on, the biggest response would be don't sin. Don't let it lead you also to sin in a different way, maybe out of anger or, you know, in, in a way that, you know, you don't want to go into sin be also because somebody else is in sin, you know, through gossip or through anything. Um, so it's really important for us to stay, hold firm to our confession of faith. You know, that's St. Paul, that's a line from St. Paul, but how we're supposed to really have a heart of um, where, where we believe what Christ teaches, no matter what's going on around us, and that we will be given the peace, if in you know Christ's peace, even though there's chaos everywhere, and that yeah. and that's something where I've come to grow, especially because I'm like, this is what we were told: we would be given peace, even if there's chaos, and there's been chaos throughout the church. Church history is drama, and <laughs> we need to you know we have the ability in our own hearts to hold Christ's peace and to know him and to be friends with him in the sacraments and in our study and in, you know, scripture and everything is, you know, there might be trials and tribulations, but we will have this peace and that, you know, we've, I've been doing the um, surrender novena with me and my prayer group. We've been fasting from Catholic media and we've been doing the surrender surrender novena and it's been actually great for me personally, for my prayer life and for, 
you know, just my sanity sometimes because it's being in this world where some people listen to us, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to say? And, and how, how do I feel about this? Because other people might listen to my opinion and is that important? And will I scandalize them with my opinion? You know, but that's how I feel about it. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. See, for me, I actually, I feel like I have to stay in the fire. Like I can't like, not like for the sake of just like, I need to, I I have to be able to respond to people and not just respond people with like something that will help them like psychologically, but like, well, what exactly is happening? So for example, I don't know if you've been following what's going on with Buffalo, crazy diocese, crazy Bishop, crazy bad. Like, you don't, you don't necessarily need to get all of it, but I was, I was talking with somebody from there. And they weren't scandalized by the bishop. They were scandalized by some of what the lay people were doing. And I was like, you know, I followed the facts, like the primary sources on this. And the lay people were right. Like this bishop is bad. Like, mm. I mean, and what they're doing is, is really terrible. Like it's a really terrible thing. And I mean, n- not to lose peace about it, but it's like for me, I actually need to know some of those situations right. because just to be able to like help people navigate and, um, and I'm not saying fast forever. You know, you, always, you fast from good things too. I'm just saying to guard my own heart and to grow in faith, that's what I, we might be, to do. And I might be inclined for the laity. Um, I would, um, I mean, if I was a monk, I wouldn't be paying attention to all of it. I mean, I, I wouldn't be paying attention to any of it. I mean, to yeah. any of it. You'd just be, be praying pray. and you would be fine. Exactly. <laughs> but because I have the care of people and I have to kind of know a little bit of politics, you do have to know politics as a diocesan priest as, as in the world. Let's get, let's get into the comments in the second yeah. reading. All right. We have a prayer request uh, from Ryan Fisher. So he says, Hey gang, enjoying listening today, despite feeling under the weather, just wanted to ask for a prayer request for Archbishop Kurtz of the diocese of Louisville. He had surgery today at Duke for bladder cancer and actually had a couple of organs removed. Pray for the surgery success and continued recovery, and pray for Ryan's health. Yep. Okay, I got Thanks, it right now. All right. Okay. Let's get in the second reading. Yep. All right. Second letter to the Thessalonians, brothers and sisters, you know how one must imitate us, for we did not act in a disorderly disorderly way among you nor did we eat food received free from anyone. On the contrary, in toil and drudgery, night and day, we worked, so as not to burden any of you, not that we do not have the right. Rather, we wanted to present ourselves as a model for you, so that you might imitate us. In fact, when we were with you, we instructed you that if anyone was unwilling to work, neither should that one eat. We hear that some are conducting themselves among you in a disorderly way by not keeping busy, but minding the business of others. Such people we instruct and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to work quietly and eat their own food. Okay, so this goes back to, I don't know if we even got to this last week, but um, going into the Thessalonians had a problem with them highly believing that Christ was coming. This, the second coming was 
any moment. And so they weren't doing their tasks. They were just enjoying the rest of their lives before Jesus came. <laughs> and, um, and how that wasn't the message that, that Paul had given them, that they needed to work and they needed to be part of the community and um, not uh, being so idle that they are being busybodies and sinning through id idleness, which was the part that not being not keeping busy but minding the business of others. So gossiping, yeah. you know, falling into sin because of idleness. So, and we talked about this a little bit, I think, last week, where we talked about the difference between like working and having the time for leisure and contemplation, and working and also having time, you know, which leads not working, which leads to idleness and sin. So, I think that you know, absolutely. it kind of leads into what we we've talked about before a little bit. Absolutely, and I actually have a great example. Um, tying in what we were previously talking about with the scandals and everything, one of my priest friends. I don't know if I completely agree with his approach, but I, I empathize with it. Um, we were on retreat and we were like, and we were, people were asking like, what do you think of Francis? What do you think of this, that, and the other thing? And he was like, honestly, I got so much going on in the parish that like, I haven't really been following it at all. And um, which I don't, I don't know if I completely agree with it, but I would say even like, if somebody asked me like, father, why don't you talk about it more? I'm like, look, there's so much I want to like work on with the parish and work on with my ministries that like, a lot of this is a distraction. Like even like with Newman and stuff like that, like I, mean, I talk about it a little bit with you um, and I feel like talking about it on social media with like a media context because most of the people who are consuming this media are probably, they've at least heard what church militant is. They at least, you know, they've probably heard who Bishop Barron is. Mm -hmm. That's something that most people don't realize. You guys, most Catholics don't actually watch Bishop Barron, right? <laughs> His numbers are high. We are we are a, a percentage of, of Catholics who pay attention. There's just exactly. a low perc low percentage, and that's why sometimes it's like okay, let's just focus on you know what the normal people need to know, which is Christ's love and you know the spiritual warfare and you know what I mean, like the real things, the real battles of every day. And sometimes they don't need to know the scandalous stuff because we don't want to scandalize them more. Yeah. Or, and just, just not helpful. But it's, what was it? What was it? Um, what was it? The, um, well, that's the weird dynamic right now with the Catholic speaker world and the Catholic media world. And we'll try not to do this too often because it's kind of like that navel-gazing thing. You get so much into your in-group that you don't realize that, like, it, it, there's all these weird conversations I've picked up on this little bit of an event with, like, Twitter and, like, Instagram. And it's, like, all these like internal, like Matt Frad and church militant and Bishop Barron and Dr. Taylor Marshall. And like 99% of my parishioners have no idea who most of those people are. If they know Bishop Barron, it's because of the Catholicism series and like those journals that we give out in Advent. Like that's it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so, but the, 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 the big thing is, is like, um, there are, I think some places where, and people think that like you should like talk and discuss all this stuff publicly, but yeah. Now I also think sometimes living in this, the time that we live in where information is instantaneous. Sometimes it's almost like maybe they had it right when you didn't hear everything everybody said, you know, and maybe, maybe that was better for our souls. <laughs> where people didn't just, just didn't have the time or the energy to pick apart what everybody says. And, 
you know, and just, is that really what we should be doing? And are we each other's enemies? We're supposed to be on the same team. You know, like, why are we picking each other apart? Yeah. And, and when half, you know, most of Catholics don't even pay attention to yeah. those people anyways. So it's, a, it's that whole insider baseball thing, which I, I appreciate the, I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I get you like we shouldn't be tearing people apart, but I'm, I'm, I like news. I like to, so like, for example, I always love it. Like if I have a, a speaker coming through or somebody I know who knows a lot of the same people who do media, you know, we'll talk about it over like a beer. It'll, it'll be kind of fun. I mean, nothing, I don't think it's ever gossipy or slandery or just kind of talking our perceptions about different things. But that's like the thing you have like with a beer over a friend, like it shouldn't be spilling over into your podcast and into your, like your Twitter feed. Yeah. Um, like just, Leave that Catholic, like leave, Catholic Twitter is a little bit of a, a it's a fire. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's Instagram's <laughs> actually refreshingly positive. Yeah, that's Catholic good. Instagram is very because it's like more visual. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and and we do well. Catholics do well with the visuals. You know, <laughs> Church of Beauty. So, um, so that's yeah. a positive. That's a good thing right there. Yeah, no, but my yeah. Twitter, my Twitter audience is like through, and maybe people just think like, oh, he's just saying that because he has no followers on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, you're not you're not scandalous enough to have you know it's it's about a lot of twitter is rage bait so you know you have to be ragey to get some some sort of traction over there um but that's part of the, what i'm talking about the idleness that leads to sin and and sometimes how you know if you're outraged and it's like oh well i need to know more about this like i feel like i'm not informed so then you like over in like kind of indulge almost in yeah. learning the bad things so you could be like oh you know you know oh. it's like the catholic version of the tabloid yeah. and, and to be fair we all like and this is maybe why the media fast is not a bad idea is like you can have fun doing it let's just admit that like you're like oh so-and-so really ripped so-and-so <laughs> a new one on yeah that. like oh they're talking about that i never clicked something so fast you know <laughs> like, which... father ian is talking about <laughs> consolation and desolation like man i can watch that later <laughs> <laughs> that's not so fun that's how so yeah. exciting is I'm like oh self-reflection nope i want to reflect on somebody else <laughs> Like, that's what I'm talking about. That's why, that's what I see out of this reading where it's just like, I, sometimes our idleness online when we're consuming content can lead us into sin and we need to be careful and we need to like really have self-reflection and watch more of Father Ian's videos. Exactly. <laughs> watch. Yeah, gotta plug that. Um, and we're gonna, you know, just make sure, you know, and if you are falling into that, like reassess, if you need to yeah. go to confession, go to confession. If you need to take a social media fast and, and pray the surrender novena, where you just surrender everything to God and be like, you know what? I believe that your Holy Spirit has the power to, to guide the church, even in chaos. Like, there we go. That's where we're at. That's where I am right now. <laughs> like, I trust you. That's all I got. Absolutely. Um, Anything else we got on? Do you want to talk about on this reading? Busybodies. We got a half hour still, but um, let me think. No, I think it's good. I, I, and I think going back to the point I made before, and actually I think I'm going to do a separate video on this now or like take my comments, maybe just do a separate video. Um, growth. Like, so for example, that's where I would say a little bit of a discernment as well. Um, so 
I will give an example of a Twitter debate that I thought was ridiculous, but like helped me grow a little bit pastorally. And it was an opportunity for growth, even though I'm like, there's no way in heck I'm going to make content about this. Did you follow the whole Dr. Taylor Marshall talked about um, women should um, wear like what women should wear. And then like the, the, the conservative women who are in Catholic media had a field day with it. And, and that's just stuff is juicy as all get out. Everybody's, Everybody, everybody, you know, all the different groups I'm in, everybody was like having a field day with it, right? Was it within the last week? No, it was like a month ago, I think. Okay. Yeah, See, I, saw his, I saw his Matt Fred like altercation about women shouldn't work. Oh, yeah. They're the, <laughs> I, you know, I, I tell you, you know, I've, I do this myself, though I'm, I'm doing it in a different way. I just did a video. It sells. Is I did one where it's, yes, Protestantism is a heresy. Oh, I saw that one. I well, I clicked on that one. Of course you did. I, well, you did not watch all the other videos before. I do watch. I actually watch a lot of your videos. Oh, okay, You're on my subscription feed for YouTube. But you watched that one faster than you did the rest of them. But, yeah, because I was like, ooh, what's you got to say? Like, mm. I knew. I knew as soon as I did it. I was also like, did Tim feel? I talked with Tim before. I did talk with Tim before about that. See, because I know you and I know, and I, you know, I know that Tim's I know, like, well, I, I, like, see Tim, I was like, Tim, how are you going to feel about this? Like that I'm calling Protestantism heresy. He's like, you know, don't water down your message, you know, and you gotta be you. He's like, I knew, you know, I knew it came with the territory and, um, which is, I guess that's a fascinating dynamic with the people I'm involved with is that I don't live in a bubble. So, I mean, and really the, the if you watch and you watch the video, it is kind of a clickbait title, which I've been doing a little bit more like sinners in the hands of an angry God. Was that exactly the way like my homily was? But you know who also does that is Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson, they'll give these like clickbait titles, but the actual video will be really nuanced. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I don't know if you've encountered Well, that I mean, that's, that's kind of the territory is to get people to just click. Yeah. And then, so like, and then finally getting your, it's a, so it's, it's a very fine line clickbait yeah. titles. And cause the thing is, is that you don't necessarily want rage bait clickbait and rage bait. I think there's a fine line cause you yeah. just want to be like, Oh, that's an interesting topic. I want to know what he says about that. And not yeah. like, Ooh, <laughs> yeah. like he's going to destroy this person. <laughs> exactly. So. But they do that with Jordan Pierce, like he destroys, and it's like, oh, yeah. well, it's really like more of a balanced, nuance <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but, um, but I, I got, I got, I'll have to follow up with Tim to see what he said about what he thinks about that what video. He about it? Well, we have um, a few comments. You want to get into those? Yeah, or, oh, I never got, I never got to the the whole. Point. Oh, your point. Sorry, I. I no, no, the no, my point with like my point with the uh, the whole women's dress thing is it did develop my thinking on the subject a little bit more um, in terms of well, what would I do pastorally or how to approach things pastorally. Um, and I mean, I'll tell you the conclusion I did not come to is that I'm not going to preach on modesty, but I was, I was thinking about that. I was like, it's also fascinating. The ones like the Hills that they choose to fight and die on. Like I would much rather fight and die on a different Hill than that. Yeah, I agree with, choosing your battles. Um, but I also think it's interesting because all of the 
scandals or the heresies that have ever come across, you know, the path of the church is an opportunity to clarify what we think about it and how, you know, spiritually and um, through the magisterium, how, how we would direct people to, to worship, right? Like all of the, like all the heresies, like Arianism, you know, really, it was a, it's a heresy, but it also, you know, helped us with, we have the Nicene Creed now, right? So we have all of these things like that thing that might not have been the greatest thing that everybody should have watched led you to really contemplate on like, like what is it, what it is you should do about this or, or think about this or, you know, so we can take these things and help them help, you know, inform ourselves. So I think that's the, a positive way to be able to consume stuff like that, but not everybody does that. Yeah. So I think that's the danger. Yeah. I think right now one of the other dangers is all of these like hot button issues are dominating the conversation and it generates the views and generally brings the, the media conversation down. I think that was always the case. I don't think John of the Cross was ever a bestseller. I've, I realized that recently, like, John of the Cross wasn't a bestseller. Why would a commentary on John of the Cross be a bestseller? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And, and it's hard to be a saint. It, you know, sainthood doesn't necessarily sell. It's really hard. Well, yeah, not in an authentic way, yeah. Right, yeah. It's easy, you know, you want to be inspired, and, it's, and the saints do inspire us, but at the same time, once we get down to the nitty-gritty of, like, how hard it is, it's you have to will it <laughs> it can't yeah. just be like well this person over there did it you know you, ha- you also have to will it for yourself so absolutely all right let's get, let's get right. on. what are the comments? comments doris sierra says loving this page thank you doris for joining Thanks. uh ryan says alana taking a so- social media fast that explains why she hasn't liked any of my posts lately i just thought she unfollowed me i didn't unfollow you ryan um, and I hope you feel better. And he says, I love Father Ian's Monday sermons on Ignatius and his, and his spiritual discernment exercises. Good stuff. See Thanks, you. man. We, we like you, Ryan. We, we hope you're doing well. We do. You make us feel good. <laughs> you give us the good positive feedback. We miss you when you're not here. All Thank right. You. Where's Jennifer at these days? She's working. Yep. She's, she's working. got a job. I know. J-O-B. Yep. So we can pray for her and her job. Yeah, she'll probably listen later. And then um, gospel. It's a long one, so yeah, it's good okay. time. Good, good Let's give the summarized version. <laughs> there is none. I mean, it's basic. It's like temple. There. Yeah, but go ahead. Yep. From the Gospel of Luke. While some people were speaking about how the temple was adorned with costly stones and votive offerings, Jesus said, all that you see here, the days will come when they will will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. Then they asked him, teacher, when will this happen? And what sign will will there be when all these things are about to happen? He answered, see that you do not, that you not be deceived for many will come in my name saying, I am he and the time has come. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for such things must happen first, but it, will not, but it will not immediately be the end. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. 
There will be powerful earthquakes, famines, and plagues from place to place, and awesome sights and mighty signs will come from the sky. Before all this happens, however, they will seize and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues, synagogues and to prisons, and they will have you led before kings and governors because of my name. It will lead you to giving testimony. Remember, you are not to prepare your defense beforehand. For I myself shall give you a wisdom in speaking, that all your adversaries will be powerless to resist or refute. You will even be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair on your head will be destroyed. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. Okay, so this is a leads up to the destruction of the temple in AD 70. And one of the things in my readings that, that I came across was talks about how the temple is a, a microcosm of the universe and how the universe is a microcosm, macrocosm of the temple where everything in God's creation worships God in the, in the temple and how it is the, the destruction of the temple it's a foreshadowing of the second coming of Christ. Um, so that's kind of like what, what we, what I read in, um, in my study. And also just now reading through it, it really kind of foreshadowed Christ's death, like how he was handed over to the synagogues and the prisons and how he was led before Kings and governors. Yeah. And he gave a testimony and they couldn't refute him because he's the son of man. He, they oh, could yeah. just condemn him. And so it was just like, Oh wow. He literally went through everything that he said that, that, you know, his followers would go through. So yeah. I think it was, it, that was part was like, well, I just saw that. That makes sense. <laughs> so. um, well, do you have some thoughts? I have plenty of thoughts, but I, I, I hate to always just jump in. Well, I feel like I, I gave a, a few things. Yeah, Are there, is there anything that I brought well, out? Yeah. Uh, well, I was, I, was, I was thinking is like, um, have you ever like, so th there's, I was mentioning at the beginning, um, the vacation home, my grandmother's house where I'd spend vacations. The fact that I probably won't be spending much time there anymore for the rest of my life kind of thing. Um, but have you ever experienced that like where that you're, um, you're leaving a place and you're never going back or like, do you have like this, do your parents still live in the home you were raised in? Both my parents have passed. Ah. So no. And, okay. and both my both sides grandparents have passed so i don't have you know and being military there are many places where i was like probably not coming back here exactly <laughs> you know so so yeah i've definitely felt a sadness um to never be go be able to go back to certain places and mm -hmm. then be a place where i can be you know what i mean that's you know yeah. so st john of the cross he talks about faith hope and love and what he says is they empty the they empty the faculties and unite them to God. So faith empties the intellect of all created things. And of course, it's very abstract and, and you can't really make an analogy with anything in the world, but outside of, the, uh, outside of things that are empty and full. So you, the intellect is emptied of all created things and then filled with God by virtue of faith. Interesting thing was hope with the memory. And, and so a lot of people have attachments to the past. I mean, there's, 
the obvious ones that are like, you know, psychologists will talk a lot about, which is like trauma, right? Yeah, so that's like, the first thing I thought of. It's like, yeah, trauma. <laughs> yeah, trauma has to be, but they're actually positive things too. So I, I, I've encountered, see, this is where I love actually being a priest versus a psychologist, is priests only deal with people who have serious problems. I actually deal with a lot of people who don't have serious problems and they want to go deeper. Or they have some mixture of like, you know, I deal a lot with more people that may be successful in life and may have actually, I mean, I've dealt with people that I've worked with in spiritual direction that are successful, adjusted, integrated, and they're trying to go deeper in their prayer life, which is fun. That's a fun group to work with. So good memories can be just as bad as painful memories. Like, if that makes sense. Like, as, a, as a stumbling block towards... A stumbling block, yeah, as attachments. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's where... I mean, I, I saw it with in Philadelphia. They're, they're tearing down the seminary, where they probably will eventually. And that was, that's very painful for a lot of the people in Philadelphia and priests. And I felt it too. I mean, I made actually a joke once with the Philadelphia seminary where I quoted this Bible passage, one stone will not be left upon another. And he, he looked like he wanted to about rip my head off. <laughs> um, but nothing will last forever exactly but like like think about that like as a spiritual exercise like see that's the thing is i'm starting to realize is for the longest time i always thought spiritual exercises were to try to make us feel as good as possible but there's something about like exploring our negative emotions like exploring our mourning like for example are you triggered at the idea that like somebody could destroy saint peter's like like, I mean, that's, that was the first thing that came to my mind when I was in St. Peter's was like, will I one day see all this destroyed? I don't know if that's normal, but that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, and like that possibility. And we just saw Notre Dame burnt. Yeah. That really sucked. Yeah. It, I remember watching that. That was rough. That was, a, that, we were supposed to go live that day and, and it didn't happen you had an appointment or something. Uh, and I was like, it's probably a good thing because I'm a mess. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, I mean, even something that I don't have a, a um, I've been there twice. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like, now my kids can't go. You know what I mean? So I, it's not even an attachment that I have that's, it's mine. You know what I mean? But it's like a cultural thing that now is going to be different. You know, it's not going to be the same. So. Exactly. Yeah, I and definitely people, feel it that way. Exactly. And I mean, I would, I would say the way Catholics feel about Notre Dame and St. Peter's would be how the Jews felt about the temple. It was a little bit even more central because you couldn't offer worship if you didn't have the temple. It's like right. the whole world would fall apart. But, but um, Yeah. And, it, and it, like I said, the, that it's a, ma- a microcosm of the universe. It like really was for them the end of the world as they knew it. It was. Um, yeah. thousands of, of Jews died and they, they, so the ones who knew of this, of J- Jesus saying this ran to the hills and they, they didn't die. So the Christians read the signs of the times and then they survived this, um, persecution, but it's, you know, it's pretty rough yeah. that, and, and that also to, to know that scripture is ever ancient and ever new and really applies in all times that, that we need to read these things and not be terrified and not slack off. <laughs> you know, as, as Paul just told us, um, don't be idle, 
but also just pay attention because these things will happen and Christ will come at a, a time that we don't know, which is, which is really funny because like we don't know the time, but also there will be signs. So I feel like every generation, there's some sort of sign to remind us like, hey, pay attention, renew your faith. You know, because even if Christ doesn't come in our generations, we will meet him when we die. So. Makes sense. You know, it just occurred to me. Hmm. How is it that we're not like, how do, how do people, oh, uh, no, I was going to be critical of priests. No, I'm just, just, <laughs> I was just like, how do you not preach about last things at this time? Like, I mean, the last month, it's like, it's, it's, it's a lot of darkness, like, mm-hmm. but it's good. Like, the, I mean, especially this year, I'm feeling it more than past years like like it's really good to like dig into some of this i feel like like it's more this year than it was when even us going through um liturgy live last year i think it's more this year this this uh year's readings i think it's just a little bit darker than it was last year last year we were dealing with the the after effects of the um of the philadelphia scandal oh yeah well actually both was it two years ago now no just one year last it was last summer no not this not the immediate last summer the summer before so no because mccarrick was last summer last summer Mm -hmm. like june 2019 18 18 yeah that's that's two summers ago 19 is this summer i when i say last summer i mean like last year summer yeah (laughs) Which was, because, well, I was just thinking about that. I was like, because we've, yeah. So we're just over a year old. Yeah. yeah. Year, year and a few months on, yeah, so on like Liturgy last Live. Year, last year at this time, yes. we were dealing we, with the with, first wave, the first, which is actually really the worst. So maybe we were dealing with a lot of darkness, but maybe there was less light in the midst. Well, that was also when, when both of us, and I'm not sure who initiated what or how it went, but I know for me, Last year was the first time I started meditating on hell and like the, 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 the negative, that was like the, the, that became my whole turn on last things, which I've been on a kick now for like a year and a half. Yeah. So, and so, but we've both grown a a lot, I think through this process, which I I hope people are growing with us. I I mean, like I tell people, because people are always like, um, everything I've gone through has definitely helped. Like, I I would be less who I would be less round well rounded in my spirituality if it wasn't for how bad the past five years have gone. Like in many different ways. Like And isn't that a paradox of yeah. of how people would could be drawn to to despair in that way? You know, if yeah. the last five years sucked, it would be like, oh, you know, like, I don't know how to get out of the cycle. And you're like, I'm doing great. <laughs> this really helped me. And yeah. how, you know, the perspective, so how perspective really helps us in, in our growth in that way. Um, I think it's great. I mean, I think, I think moving back to the States really helped my family in general. Like we were, we're doing much better. Um, but also being able to talk for an hour a week has, absolutely helped my growth <laughs> i was like I was, I was just like i'm so lucky i get to talk to a priest for an hour a week like who gets that 
me well, i get it <laughs> exactly it's not just like a like a counseling like let me tell you all my problems kind of thing right it's, it's good like, study the the scriptures together and talk about yeah. it and then talk yeah. to the people who are in the chat box it's been awesome so it's well, a good, review. good year review <laughs> yeah so how, how many how long have we been doing this for now before we close uh, since june june or july of 2018 oh so right when everything was yes like it was craziness um and we started podcasting in september so it was a year of podcasting this past september cool so we're about to finish our first technical full full year of advent to advent um, oh cool next week two weeks from now cool cool um yeah so it's good but we have uh another comment yep shoot uh ryan says alana wish your husband a happy veterans day for us and thank him for his service in defending our nation and protecting our freedoms that we hold dearly in our hearts also for this those spouses of our veterans who are so often overlooked keep families safe and intact on the home front thank you ryan i appreciate that and happy veterans day to everyone yeah, I, I got, you know, that's, I, I mean, I was just talking about it last week. I'm so absent-minded. I got like, I need somebody to like write down, like I need to tell the secretary, write down all of the major things that are going on this week. Cause like I get lost in my head, man. I just. I, <laughs> did you forget, did you forget it yesterday? I talked about it at a couple masses, but it didn't like dawn on me that I should talk at all the masses. Uh, well, um, they did a special prayer over the veterans at ours. Probably, yes, I probably should have done that. Yeah. Next year, pray Next for year. veterans. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I, I wish I could like, I, I should get a sign on my door that says if I've done something that's ticked you off or hurt your feelings, chances are it was due to me like being stupid, like absent-minded or something. It's like not intentional. Not intentional. And if I need to remember to do things, please tell me beforehand. <laughs> I forget stuff all the time. So uh, Ryan says, I agree. This program provides me such spiritual nourishment to begin the week and it gets me thinking about sunday far earlier than i would have thanks ryan and he says you need a google assistant no. <laughs> that other people can add to like just send it to my google assistant <laughs> list of things we'll, I probably, need to know. well at some point soon we have that all right let's pray all right and father son and the holy spirit and then heavenly father we just lift up in prayer archbishop kurtz for his healing for recovery we pray for Ryan that he may get over his illness. We pray for Lana, her family, um, for her children, that the Holy Spirit may overshadow them. I pray in a special way um, for some of the people that in my life that are some of our parishioners and students who are, who are struggling, um, some that are in the hospital. Just pray for their recovery. Um, pray also for a particular parishioner who's going into surgery tomorrow, that you may be with her and comfort her in her fear and her anxiety. And I pray for an increase of vocations of the priest and religious life. Just help it that all of our young people may discern their mission and vocation through encountering your word. We ask you to bless all who will watch or listen to this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Have a good week, everyone. So take me to the fountain It's up, it's
Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com.